Hey, this is Lowe with Soul Harbor, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Weekly Business Hour. This is Rick Schisler. I'm your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of OneBestConsult.com. The Weekly Business Hour continues to be the place where Montgomery County and, in fact, businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve your business, and to be part of conversations that can make a real difference in your business. I want to remind you that the show is currently being broadcast live on YouTube, so join us there if you'd like to watch and listen at the Weekly Business Hour page. And before we really get started with the show, I want to thank our sponsor, OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one, BestConsult.com. As I mentioned earlier, that's a company I founded. Basically, we're a website. We've created a community there. We continue to build on it, and I encourage you to visit OneBestConsult.com. It's founded around a principle of common sense business advice for small businesses. So small businesses have a place they can go and ask questions. They can get peers to respond. I'm also available to do professional mentoring. I have clients uh, that remotely will work with me and answer the questions that they need answered. Uh, If they need accountability, I offer that as well. So I encourage you, go to OneBestConsult.com. Don't forget the number one bestconsult.com. This past week, I was uh, reading some information about climate change. You know, that is one of the most popular subjects of discussion in the world today is climate change. Things like, is the man-made or is it just a cycle in our evolution where we have periods over the past millions of years where it has gotten a little warmer, it's also gotten a little colder, Of course, we had ice ages. We had all kinds of events that scientists are able to document with fairly accurate information. But no one really understands, I don't believe at this point, what's going on climate change-wise and what is responsible, whether it's man or whether it's a natural cycle or perhaps it's even both. But I tell you, one thing in your small business that you really have control over, and let me tell you, it's something that you can determine without question. There's no question is the climate in your business. And what I'm talking about is the actual hot and cold, the comfort level in your place of business, in your business operation. It always strikes me, it's so funny that people invest time and money and effort to go out and find and hire the best people they can for every position in their business. And then they forget to look at the thermostat. Seriously, just to look at the thermostat. Turn on the heat when it's cold, Turn on the air conditioning when it's too warm. You know, in this country, we have the north and the south uh, from climate zones or temperate zones. In north, it tends to be more of a challenge in the wintertime because the temperatures get cold. In the south, it's the summer with the heat. So many times, again, businesses, it's amazing to me. And it doesn't matter whether it's the office, the reception, if it's the manufacturing part of the business or the warehousing part of the business, or it is people out servicing clients and customers on the road somewhere or at their plants, do we consider how comfortable our employees are? And my answer to that question, I don't think we do enough of it. We don't carefully consider if these people that we work so hard to get, that we compensate well, if you do that, you're doing 
all the things right, my point, in keeping these people happy, keeping them part of the team that you're putting together and building your business. And you don't consider whether they're comfortable. I can tell you, I personally have been in a number of businesses in my career. I've owned a number of businesses. And you walk into certain parts of the business, it could be the office. How many times have you been in an office yourself where the people working in the office have fans uh, on their desk, under their desk, or in wintertime, maybe a, a small electric heater? In fact, that's become a safety issue in some of the taller buildings. And you can't imagine how much electricity it's really using. So the cost, uh, which is what I think drives many of us in our small business, the cost of energy, no doubt it's gotten more expensive. But the reality is, if you walk into a work area and you find an employee uncomfortable, and I'm talking about the folks in general that work, and they're not one particular individual's need for this or that. And in fact, I'll admit on the radio here that I have been part of putting up fake thermostats. So employees could go turn them whatever direction they wanted, but they actually weren't connected to control any of the heating and cooling in the space. But back to my point, you need to carefully consider whether your people in the warehouse have ventilation, whether they're comfortable. I mean, think about it. The office we focus on, but when you have an office staff and people in the office, salespeople, whoever, and they're walking around and there's they're uncomfortable, they're too hot, they're too cold on a consistent basis, I will assert that you have not done your job to not only attract, but maintain your workforce. And you'll be surprised over a period of time what happens if you don't create a comfortable work environment for your people. I encourage you, pay attention to climate change, most particularly the climate change in your own business. I want to remind you that uh, if you'd like to reach out to me during the show or after the show, you've got a comment, you've got a question, and I'll take even questions about your own business. That's what I do. I help people answer the questions that they have about running and building their business. Just drop me an email, real simple, one, the number one, bestconsult at gmail.com. That's one, bestconsult at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what your challenges are. I'd love to hear from you. At this point, it gets real easy for everybody. Just sit back, grab your pad and pencil, and get ready to take notes as we talk about everything business right here on the Weekly Business Hour. And I'm happy to introduce our third and final part of our series, our Soup to Nuts series, with Doug Thorpe. Doug is a very interesting individual. He's authored a wonderful book. He's a lecturer. And most importantly, he's a business coach. He has worked with businesses large, medium, small, all sizes, and what Doug and I have been talking about the past two Mondays is building better teams by becoming a better leader. So today, I encourage you to listen and hear our summation of building better teams by becoming a better leader. Well, this is our third and final conversation. We're talking with Doug Thorpe, uh, the original originator of the team trust model. Uh, Doug, we've, you've delivered a lot of great information in our previous two conversations about the topic and building a better team uh, through uh, this process. Uh, let's kind of move on and, and in a sense, we'll take this opportunity over the course of this conversation to kind of wrap things up. Uh, kind of recap, if you would, uh, the idea that we've been talking about, if you would, so everybody can catch up with us if they haven't listened to the previous shows. 
Sure, Rick. What we were talking about in the uh, team trust model you alluded to is really a six-step model that helps understand the dynamic of building a high-performance team. Studies have shown us, uh, specifically most recently, the good folks at Google did their own two-year study on their high-performing teams. They called it Project Oxygen, and one of the biggest uh, factors in the highest-performing teams was something they call psychological safety. And if you read through the text of that report, what you come away with is a modern definition of trust. Being able, uh, creating an environment where your team has a very high level of trust. So you say, all right, great, how do we build that? I've presented a six-step model that starts with your people. They have to ask and answer the question, do I even want to be on this team? They have a purpose, number two, uh, what is this team trying to accomplish? This again, these are questions in the mind of each one of your team members. Step number three is the plan. They will ask, how will the team get this thing done? Number four is the practice. Some call it execution. They ask the question, what works and what doesn't? And then number five is performance. Once we get busy and get to work, how are we going to be measured? How are we going to know we're creating any level of success? And how can we improve it? And then lastly, number six is the payoff. Everybody's looking for that final reward, whether it's financial or psychological. I've, I've reminded us in our discussion here that payoff can come in the way of intangible results, as in a lot of work that our great nonprofits do in our communities. But um, getting these six steps operating at a high level, you will ultimately create a team that operates with a high level of trust. And that's why it's so important to think about each one of these. This is a, a dynamic wheel that creates momentum for your company and keeps people uh, moving forward. And it almost becomes a, a kind of self-fulfilling momentum once it, uh, once kind of high velocity has been achieved. You know, kind of, backtrack a little bit. One of the things that you mentioned is for the sixth step, uh, the payoff. Uh, to me, that's one of the most challenging things to do is to determine what the payoff needs to be so it does motivate. And in this case, also come back and help build the trust. Right. Any, any words of wisdom to the listeners about how to approach the payoff, whether it's monetary, non-monetary, how do you determine work, what works best with your team? I think that's a, that's a great question, and it's an age-old challenge. I, I hear it all the time from uh, my, my colleagues in the HR realm who are tasked with trying to maintain employee engagement, and they are constantly looking at that payoff aspect. And studies are telling us that the, the money reward is not always the answer. Uh, there are a lot of situations where people can be real happy with the money, but they're not satisfied with something else going on at the company. So I'm, I'm not trying to dodge the question, but the reality is I think it, there is no one-size-fit-all answer here. I think your own company dictates, uh, and your own environment, your own industry may dictate the best payoff. Keep in mind, uh, under the, the concept of my model that I'm presenting here, this payoff question is ultimately in the mind of the employee. 
it's like, am I getting the payoff I need and expect? And is it enough to make me want to continue here? And certainly, is it enough to make me want to continue at the high level that I think I've been contributing? You know, to get that feedback and, and know whether or not enough is enough, it's another example of the constant communication that has to be going on with your team. You know, it's funny. I 100% agree with you on that. It's, I mean, so many times business owners, managers seem afraid, I guess is the right word, uh, to have the feedback about compensation or the payoff from the employees. And to me, I don't know how you do it without talking with them. Of course, as you build trust, then you have that trust, and the stronger the trust, the better that conversation is as far as the communication is straight and up front. Well, I'm reminded of a, a story that happened to me in my early career. I, um, I lobbied for, I, I was, I was a, a unit leader at, in, in my banking organization. I had about 14 employees, and I lobbied for some bonus checks for my people. They weren't going to be big, but they had, they had been through a season of some really intense activity. I thought they had all done well, and I decided to um, submit for uh, some bonus checks. Well, like I said, they weren't going to be particularly big, but it was going to be more of a, the gesture that was going to be important. What ended up happening, the, the checks got approved, but when they hit people's payroll, depending on where that person was on the tax schedule, it was either a serious detriment because it took them into a whole new tax bracket that took a lot more out of their check than they had been getting before, and the net-net was actually negative. And I, I was young and naive at the time, and nobody in HR warned me of that, and we did it. And I had about a third of my team more upset than they were excited about having gotten that little bonus check. Yeah, I, I learned that lesson as well. In fact, now I encourage my clients to issue a separate check for the full amount and then just put the taxes on the regular payroll check. Right. Um, in fact, I had a situation the other day that they actually did that. They did it before I got to them. I said, boy, you really understand, don't you? <laughs> That's a great story. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the things that you've been, you, cause, and, and you've told, I know, one story on yourself, but you've been part of some successful teams. Uh, tell us about what that looked like from your perspective of being a team member, not necessarily a team leader, or when you were in the case of what you just discussed, being a leader, what what has your experience taught you or shown you? Well, when, when I look back on my career, there are certainly some great opportunities I've had, um, including uh, a small organization called the United States Army. Um, we we certainly had a, a combination of team effectiveness there. Some teams were great to be on, others were not so great. I think anyone that's ever served in the military probably understands what I'm talking about. Um, you, you can find some great examples of team dynamics there. Uh, certainly I was not a part of it, but you think of elite squads like the Navy SEALs or the Army Green Berets. Um, the training there gets you to another point. Talk about clarity of purpose. I think those are pretty high examples to look at. But for me, um, one of the moments in civilian life that I reflect on in my early career, I had joined a local uh, banking organization in the Houston area called Texas Commerce. And I had no idea about the nature of that bank or the the level of sophistication in how that bank ran. 
But um, being young and new to that industry, I just assumed everything we did there was some kind of normal approach. I only found out much later after I left the bank that it was a one of a kind. The leadership lab we had, I think, was phenomenal. The the you know the the old saying is iron sharpens iron, and and we definitely had a cadre of pretty high caliber bank officers and executives that ran our our organization and modeled behaviors that we all needed to to embrace and. Um, talk about accountability, we had a very rigorous budgeting process that uh, plotted our course year over year. And some people, quite frankly, didn't survive the scrutiny that that budget demanded. But uh, those that did, we had an organization that created 64 consecutive quarters of earnings growth. So we're talking 16 years of performance wow. with um, successive consecutive earnings growth. And there was definitely a culture there among the leadership. It was something that um, I don't think anyone ever questioned clarity. We've talked a lot about that during our time together here. I don't think anyone ever questioned the clarity in our, and certainly not our purpose for being who and what we were. So um, that that is a a model that's been ingrained in my mind and in my heart, and I, I try to share that with clients today on, you know, how to get there. And a lot of it comes down to, I'm going to depart here or a minute on a little tangent, a lot of it comes down to the communication with your employees, with your teams, to maintain that perfect clarity about your purpose. Why are you operating? What are you there for? What does it mean? What is our plan? Et cetera, et cetera. Keep, keeping that communication wide open all the time is so incredibly vital to that. You know, that's obviously a great piece of advice for a business owner today. Is there anything else uh, that you could tell our business owners who are listening uh, how to get the most out of their teams? Well, I'll start by saying leadership is not automatic. If, if you have created a business you may need to take a serious look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, am I really the right person to lead this? I may have the intellectual capital that started this business, but do I really have the leadership toolkit to make it go? And there are many stories that are now legend about creators that gave up the leadership because they were smart enough to know they, they didn't have it and they needed to learn it or they needed to follow somebody else's lead in getting things done. They could stay in the room, they could have a seat at the table to continue to plot the vision, but they knew they just didn't have what it took to execute. Yeah, that's a very, very difficult decision for the typical small business or business owner to secede uh, and allow even it, uh, I find people have difficulty just proceeding to opening up the store, so to speak. I mean, and if you get to that level, you're talking about some legends like you mentioned, uh, because the exceptions are rare that somebody can start from scratch and lead it into millions, billions, whatever, wherever you want to go. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, and, you, and you mentioned uh, team leadership is not automatic, okay? But when you start uh, a company, you have a team, you must be the leader. 
Um, well, that makes sense. Talk about that, though, that when I start a company, because I've met too many entrepreneurs that don't really look at themselves as a leader. They're a business owner. They're an entrepreneur. They'll pick all kinds of titles, but I don't find the title leader saying I'm the leader and I've got to think like a leader. I'm the boss, maybe. But talk about that. I think that is exactly the heart of the, the challenge here for owners in so many companies everywhere. They, they think of themselves as the owner, as the um, chief executive, or whatever title they choose to give themselves. But the, the key interest here, the key question is, are you really leading your team? It's, it's one thing to manage a team, to get them to understand the next button to push or the next screw to turn to get the work done, but that is ultimately just management. You know, we get into the discussion of the difference between management and leadership. The best simple example, I've heard of that, to explain it is that management is about process and leadership is about people. So you can manage a process all day long and you can get results. You can, you can sell units, you can deliver service with nothing but a pure management approach. But if you want long-term success and even higher levels of success, you've got to delve into the, the ability to lead your people. And that's why uh, the things I talk about in my six-step trust model really cover those bases, helping your team become a better team through real leadership. Well, it all makes a lot of sense to me, and I appreciate, you know, we've come a long way in this conversation, uh, and there's some issues I'd like to take up when we start up again, uh, specific things such as delegation accountability. Uh, but for now, let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Well, we went to the break. We've talked a lot about generalities in our multiple conversations, uh, but there's some key areas. Um, one of them is delegation, uh, and we've touched on that, uh, delegating the day-to-day uh, -day operations at sort of the top of that list or delegating, as I brought up, the opening of the, of the store, so to speak, to someone. Let's talk about delegation and why uh, is it always hard for owners to let go? It is hard for owners to let go. And whether you want to call it pride of authorship or uh, a, an owner's lack of trust in the people that are around them, uh, it, it runs the full gamut of, of rationale for not being willing to delegate. But when I work with my clients, when the subject of delegation comes up, I love a very basic definition that I learned a long time ago. Delegation is much like parenting. There is permission, and there is protection. So let's talk about those two pieces. Permission is probably easier to understand. You're, when you delegate to your team, you're telling them, I give you permission to go do this on my behalf. You can, when you're speaking, when you're acting, when you're executing, it's as though it was me, and that's okay. I give you permission to do that. Now, Obviously, you do that with a backdrop of communication. You, you have some learning and training that goes with that to say to somebody, all right, now you get it, go, you know, go with my blessing. The 
protection side is the one that I think confuses people when we start talking about that. Protection is not about defining a boundary around the permission you've given them. It's, it's really on the after action side of it. It's what if you go out, you've got permission, you go out on my behalf, you do something and it's not right or it doesn't work out. What's going to happen? A lot of owners operate in a punitive way when that happens. You, the employee's sitting there thinking, well, I reached out and it didn't work out, and now you're going to punish me for it? Well, protection says, no, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to, I've got your back. I'm going to cover. I, I will work with you and we'll make this right. We'll fix whatever happened that wasn't right or wasn't well. And it's okay. I told you to go do it. I told you you had that permission. It didn't work out well. Fine. I'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. And it's that constant cycle of giving permission and providing protection that really makes for effective delegation. You know, I was listening to you, and I got a little smile on my face because every time we talk about something, trust yeah. comes up yeah. as the foundational issue, which it is. And the fact that in that conversation that you say, hey, it's okay, we'll make it right, we'll do it. Right. Got to have trust between, in that case, the owner trusts the employee, what they did, and so on and so forth, and willing to step in and make it right. Uh, I've seen too many bosses just go off, you know, on the employee, and there, there's no trust factor tearing any trust down when you do that. So the whole idea is on a day-to-day -day basis, as a manager, as an owner, I need to th think maybe first and foremost as I drive to the office or drive to the business about what can I do today to build some trust. Yeah, it's, it's a classic uh, debate and, and understanding. Trust is very much a two-way street, especially in business. If, if you want your team to trust you and the company, well, you have to trust them. You have to demonstrate that, and as the owner slash manager slash leader, you have to be the one setting the course for that, and you have to trust first to allow your employees to come back and trust your system, your plan, your process. Makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about, what about accountability? I mean, that's always on everybody's list. I need my folks to be accountable, or in turn, the manager being accountable to the employees. And uh, transparency, start with accountability. What, what's going on there? Yeah, accountability, uh, you know, it, it just hit me. I, I think we've kind of been beaten up on owners quite a bit, and that's probably not fair. So any of you that have listened and thought I was doing that, I'm sorry. But uh, um, here's where I'll turn it around. You know, it, it is absolutely reasonable for an owner to expect some accountability from their employees. To You hired them, you've given them an opportunity. There needs to be accountability but it starts with you expressing a clear message of your expectation. You cannot keep moving the goalposts is the, is the phrase I've heard a lot on this topic. You, you can't change the goals and, and, and uh, expectations on a regular basis. You have to set a course. You have to say in your seat, in your job, here's what I need you to do. And whatever level that is, whether you want to measure it by volume or um, transaction count, transaction quality, um, there are a lot of measures out there. But the accountability has to start with that statement of expectation. Now, when an employee doesn't meet that expectation, 
you need to have a healthy conversation with them about it and not be punitive right out of the gate. Uh, you need to express your disappointment that the expectation has not been met and do that in a way that there is some um, opportunity for remediation, that the employee doesn't feel totally blown up and uh, devalued by the company, but they see some, some light for opportunity to improve. Yeah, very, very important. What about transparency? Well, transparency, I think, goes hand in hand with that. And, and it's actually, in my mind, similar to what we talked about a minute ago with trust. The, if the leader wants transparency from their team, they're going to have to be transparent themselves. They're going to have to be able to relate to their employees. They're going to have to be able to share things with their employees. You don't have to get um, personal to the level you're divulging all your your life at home kind of stories, but there you have to be relevant. You have to be able to relate to them, and in in that, the other thing about transparency from the leader's standpoint is being willing to admit your own mistakes. Uh, everybody knows in our gut. I don't know who taught it to us first, but the old phrase "nobody's perfect." Well, there are too many owners and and business leaders that believe they are perfect. And so when there's a mistake, they're either going to blame it on somebody else or find a way to rationalize it like it wasn't really a mistake when everybody around the table knows it was. So that's where transparency starts is just, you know, owning up to it and say, you know what, guys, I blew that one. That's all on me. And if you can do that, you're going to start building a climate of transparency that all your other employees can rally around. Just like in the case when we're talking about delegation, if an employee's been delegated a task, goes out and blows it, if you've got transparency, they, they will be just like you were. They'll come in and say, boss, this didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I'm very sorry. What do you want to do? And then you can have that moment to, to say, okay, I promised you protection. Yes, let's figure it out. Well, that obviously makes a lot of sense. I, do, I would be remiss if we, if I allowed us to finish this conversation and not mention a book that you've written, uh, the book, uh, The Uncommon Commodity, A Common Sense Guide of New Managers. Uh, just take a second and tell us about the book and perhaps where we can get a copy. Yeah, uh, I wrote that book about two years ago, and I, I really had a passion. Uh, I talk to a lot of people and and maybe it's because I have uh, five young adult children of my own and I've watched them enter the workforce and take on leadership responsibilities. We have an odd tradition in our business world. We we take our highest performer and we promote them to be a manager and nine times out of ten what we've just done is ruined our best producer. So it it's very important that those first-time managers get a shot at learning something about management and leadership so that they can do a, a better job in, in making their new first-team responsibilities uh, be more successful. It, it's funny, I wrote that book, and I've got it uh, split up in a couple of topical sections about people and trust and, and management, but... Um, in my mind, I was writing it to first-time managers, as the title suggests, but a lot of my colleagues have read it, and they said, oh, goodness, I forgot about this. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. And so um, it's a good read for 
everybody really that is in any kind of ownership and leadership position. Well, I appreciate that. And where can we get the book? It is uh, on Amazon. Okay. And um, through uh, through the bookstore at Amazon. That's fantastic. Well, we've got about a minute left. Uh, quick recap. Well, I, I think the uh, the question about how do you build a better team, well, first you got to be a better leader, and the way we do that is building trust inside of our team environment. And I do have a uh, six-step model that's available uh, for viewing on my website at dougthorpe.com slash team trust. If you uh, want to take a look, that's where to go, and be happy to talk with anyone that has questions about it. And again, how can they best contact you? Uh, through my website, Doug Thorpe, that's T-H-O-R-P-E dot com, and in this case, slash team trust, one word. That'll get you to the six-step model we've been talking about, but all my blog content, my other articles and comments are there on the, on the website. I will tell you, if you're listening, there's a lot of great information there. I encourage you, if you just want to check and learn, go to that website. If you want to contact Doug, that's fantastic as well. Well, we've had a great conversation, Doug. I thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Uh, building better teams by becoming a better leader. Uh, great stuff. I encourage folks to take a look at his book, Uncommon Commodity, uh, and build a better team for you and your business by being the leader that you need to be. OneBestConsult.com, a community of small business owners where you as an owner can find answers to the most pressing business questions you have. Not sure who to turn to when you have a challenge in your business? Turn to the folks at OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one bestconsult.com, where you can always find advice you can use based on common sense business experience. Join our community of like-minded business owners at OneBestConsult.com. Well, a big thank you to Doug Thorpe. I hope you ladies and gentlemen enjoyed listening to this three-part series in our Soup to Nuts conversations. Uh, great information about building a better team and becoming a better leader. Uh, if you want more information about Doug, uh, I encourage you to visit his website, DougThorpe.com. That's Doug Thorpe, and Thorpe is spelled T-H-O-R-P-E.com. There's a lot of information available on the website that benefits you. Uh, but I encourage you, if you're interested in building a stronger team, whether you have one employee, five, 500, that you contact Doug as well. Well, what's coming up the second half of the show? First of all, I am so pleased to say we've got Terry Weaver back with us. Terry is the founder of Vetr the Veterans Entrepreneurs Leadership Institute, otherwise known as VEL, V-E-L. He's our businessman on the street guest, and we're going to talk about a new book and some other things uh, that Terry is doing. He just released the book, The Evolution of a Leader. Great book. Encourage you to read it to build your leadership skills. And we'll close out today with our One Best Consult Tip of the Week. Do you really offer great customer service? We're going to take a break, and I encourage you to stay with us. We'll be right back. It's all business talk on the Weekly Business Hour every Monday at 11 a.m. right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. 
That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. It's all business talk on the weekly business hour every Monday at 11 a.m. right here on Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back, ladies You're, and gentlemen. Oh, I almost forgot the gentleman. Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Weekly Business Hour. Thank you for joining us today. And I want to mention to you, the podcast, videocast of today's show will be posted this coming Wednesday. You can find it at a lot of social media locations, but particularly I address you to or guide you to onebestconsult.com, the website, number one, bestconsult.com. Well, let's get right to it. Businessman on the street, Terry Weaver, the founder of the Vell Institute, Veterans Entrepreneurship Leadership Institute. And Terry just released a great book. Uh, and I encourage you not only to take a look at the book, but listen to his comments and discussions about leadership. Terry's new book, The Evolution of a Leader. Please take a listen, and I'll be back with you on the other side. This is Rick Schisler. I'm the host of Businessman on the Street, and I'm proud to say today we have a very interesting and uh, well-rounded, I guess is a good word perhaps, uh, there are others, uh, Terry Weaver's joining us. Terry, you have had a fantastic run the last year, two years, I'm sure going further back, but you are so involved with so many things, and I'm really excited about the opportunity to take this opportunity to put you on Businessman on the Street uh, for us in the community to hear about some of the great things you're doing. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate those kind remarks. Well, let's do this first. I mean, uh, where you started, as far as I know, and if it's if I'm incorrect, please correct me, but with the Vell Institute, you established the Vell Institute Veterans Entrepreneur Leadership Institute. Mm -hmm. Share with us the purpose and, and what compelled you to start it. Yeah, that, that really came out of um, my military service. I was in the, I was a Navy corpsman, Corman run around with the Marines. Um, I, I patched those guys up for about five years from 99 to 04. Spent uh, a little bit of time in Iraq. And when I got back, I like, to, I like to kind of say that I fumbled in life for about six or seven years. And when I came out of that, um, I really wanted to do something to give back. So I thought, well, what could, what could I do? And I wanted to really focus on the strengths of veterans because veterans have a lot of strengths. So we started Vell Institute, and what we do is we connect and develop veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders. We hold workshops, we do speaking engagements, training classes, and one part is integration, the other part is like harnessing their strengths, equipping them, and uh, giving them tools to move forward and, and you know, be the very best version of themselves. Well, I know you have some programs, you always have some great programs to help people 
uh, get established in business, but also for people who are already established. And you have a great speaker series. Tell us about some of the programs that are upcoming. Yeah, we've got a leadership program. Um, all the info is on theinstitute.org. If I tried to recall the dates, I would mess them up. But uh, we've got a leadership development course coming up. We've got a business startup course coming up. And that course is called Startup and Business Essentials. We have seven entrepreneurs from the community. They come in and teach one session, and that goes for seven weeks straight. We have a class on financial literacy. We have a class on um, uh, legal structures. We have a class on sales and marketing. We have one on year one fundamentals. So what's been neat is we have people who have been in business for 10 years, someone that, some, some of them been in, in business for 20 years, and they just want to make sure they have the fundamentals down. So they'll come back and visit that course, take that course, and they'll be in there with people who just want to start a business. So it's a neat, it's a neat course, and we offer that. I, that one starts on September 4th, I believe. So right after everybody comes back and gets into school, um, we'll have people starting businesses around that time. You also have a great speaker series. You've yeah. had some wonderful speakers, great turnouts, capacity. Yeah. Share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, we hit a big, we hit a big milestone. We had uh, over 200 people at our last keynote, and this happens down in the woodlands. We usually have it at a venue down there. It's the first time that we really had to rent a space because you you look at free venues, you can hold about 125 comfortably, then you have to start renting out conference rooms. So we had 210, 205, 210 people show up. The next keynote is August 22nd, a week after kids go back to school. We'll have, uh, we're going to have a local uh, movie producer speak for us. We're going to have a local business person, entrepreneur who does a ton of good in the community. And we're working on something really special right now. I'm just waiting on confirmation for that third speaker. So it's going to be powerful. And we'll probably have 250 veterans, entrepreneurs, and leaders come out for that keynote. Yeah, well, I've been to some of your events, and they're fantastic, and a great crowd of people, great opportunities to network and connect with people as well. Yeah, you know what people comment the most about? It's the energy in the room. I mean, we have a really neat following, a lot of, a lot of good people. So the energy and the connections that are made during those keynotes are pretty remarkable. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Well, second thing that I bring to the table today that you've done, and again, you've got this full schedule uh, of activities is you recently uh, released a book that you wrote, uh, The Evolution of a Leader. Uh, and tell us about your release and what's going on with the book now. Yeah, we just uh, just published the book um, two weeks ago. We had our book launch on June the 6th. We had over 150 people come out. We had uh, the chairman of the Woodlands Township speak for us, Gordy Bunch. We had Bob Milner there. He's a local entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. We had uh, General Hummer speak for us, another couple CEOs and a just a great turnout, just a really neat reception for the, this book, The Evolution of a Leader. And a lot of people think it's a bio. It's not a bio. It's actually a book that's based on the principles, habits, and mindsets of some of the greatest leaders of all time. So if you see on the front, we've got local leaders, but we also have leaders like uh, Abraham Lincoln and, and Eleanor Roosevelt and uh, Theodore Roosevelt and Benjamin Franklin. Um, Judge Mack is on here. Bob Milner's on here. I got uh, Pat Tillman, somebody that's special to me. He lost his life in Afghanistan after leaving an NFL contract to go fight for our country. Um, but it's it's about the principles and habits that these people followed to become the leaders that they became. And I did a lot of research. We've got over 180 references in the book to, to various leaders. So, 
Well, that's fantastic. I, I before I go on, I'll do a shameless, give you an opportunity to give a shameless commercial. Where can folks find the book if they want to buy it? Yeah, it's easiest to go on Amazon, Amazon.com, and search The Evolution of a Leader, or they can go to my website, TheEvolutionOfAleader.com. Thank you. Okay, well, that's great. Uh, and as you said, it's created a lot of excitement in the local business community throughout Montgomery County, and I'm sure it will as it spreads around the United States to other communities. Let's kind of back up for a second, uh, perhaps calling you to educate us a little bit, because I'm all about education and the weekly business hour program I do and other things. Uh, leadership. You wrote a book on leadership, so let's let's address a couple issues in leadership. One is uh, leaders are leaders born or are they developed, and that is an age old question. Yeah. Uh, what's your thoughts after researching and writing this book? Well, I certainly just speaking from personal experience, I developed myself into a leader. I wasn't born a leader. Now, I think some people have um, advantages that they're born with. You know, maybe. Uh, the ability to communicate well, which certainly helps leading people. But the majority of the leaders that I researched developed themselves. Speaking specifically of George Washington, he saw his older brother in, in the military, and he saw diplomats and political figures at a young age, and he told himself, I want to be like them. So he started doing things to become like them, and that's what enabled him to become a leader. And there's principles that you can extract from reading biographies of leaders all the way back to the 1800s, all the way back to Christ and even before Christ, Socrates or Socrates, however you want to call him. You can pull these principles out of leaders throughout time, and they're, and they're timeless. Um, they, are, they are the principles that, that one can follow, just like a blueprint, and develop themselves as a leader. You know, speaking about those principles, uh, do you think you can develop uh, a set of principles, and talking about for the individual who aspires to be a leader, that will always work in every situation as that person finds themselves or inserts themselves to be a leader? I do believe that there's principles that can be used in almost every situation, that if you use them, they, they will help you grow and, and they'll benefit not only yourself but others. Absolutely. These are uh, timeless principles. I've got to ask you this question because I'm always keen on trying to winnow things down. Uh, leadership qualities, principles. What, in your opinion, if you can do single out one principle, yeah. what would it be to be the one you got to start with or the most important above all others? Yeah, I think it, I think it has to be, you know, I, I really want to single out service to others. You know, we're born um, to be in community with others, to serve others. I believe all of us were born with gifts. I'm personally, uh, I'm personally a Christian and one of the scriptures that stands out for me is 1 Peter 4, 10. It says, each of us was given a special gift, and we should use that gift to serve others. I believe that. And I believe when we start to use our gifts that only we have to serve others, life changes. Um, and and, and we, we tap into transcendence, something bigger than ourselves. Um, so I believe it is service of others, service to something bigger than ourselves. We were put here on this earth for a reason. Well, there's no doubt in my mind as well. But and, and what I think I want to make sure that if you're listening to this, that because I find people misunderstand when you're serving other people, you are a leader. That's right. uh, whether it's handing out a hot meal to someone or in a storm situation to help clearing rubble, rebuild a house, on and on and on. You are a leader every minute that you're involved and people see you uh, because if nothing else, the people you're serving have a connection and your ability to build that connection and show the leadership helps those people recover or help a young man start a job or a young lady uh, build a company. It doesn't matter. 
you're always a leader. Yeah. That's the key thing for me. We're always being leaders if we choose to be so. Well, all of us have an example, and people are watching. And we are writing a story, believe it or not. I mean, we're writing a story that people are paying attention to. Yeah, you hope they pay attention, especially if it's a good one, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to put yourself out there. Well, let's go to another thing you're involved in. Again, I'm overwhelmed when I think about all the things you're doing. You've just started recently appearing uh, in a TV series. Uh, you're an actor now professionally. Talk to us about that. Yeah, it's a TV series that's being filmed locally, and um, it's being filmed by uh, Reflective Media. You can find them on reflectivemedia.org. I believe that's the, the website. But they're local producer. Um, they're producing a TV series, eight episodes, called Breaking Strongholds, and it's being mainly filmed in Montgomery, and it's going to address some of the issues in our country right now, um, some serious issues. And I'm, I'm playing a detective, Detective Ethan James in that series. He's, he's trying to solve a missing person case. And he has life struggles. He has two kids that are, uh, that, that are in some rough times in their life. And he's got the weight of the world weighing down on him. So, uh, so uh, yes, it's, it's really exciting, this TV series, seeing it come to life. Really and neat. when will that be available, if you know? When will it be published or broadcast? We'll have our pilot ready for a debut in as early as January, maybe sooner. Okay. Do you have any idea where it's going to be distributed? Yeah, I do. Um, the last movie that the that, that Reflective Media produced went on Amazon and Pure Flix. Okay. So we'll have that distribution unless it gets picked up by a major, you know, another major network. Yeah. Well, and they want be... exclusive rights or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I mean, you're a writer. You're an actor now. Uh, I got to ask you, what prepared you for the acting role? I don't know that anything prepared me except for just, you know, when this presented itself, it came out of the blue. And I'll tell you, the, the movie producer called me out of the blue, and she said, I got something that's going to blow your mind. God laid you on my heart to be a part of this TV series. And I was a little blown away. So we took some time to pray. We did the, the proper additions and um, did some really kind of spiritual, soul-seeking type stuff. And I just got a, a piece about it. And I knew that it was going to shine some light. And that's a, that's a part of my life mission, is to shine God's light and just be service to other, be a servant for others and make an impact. So it's right in line with, with what I'm doing with my life. Well, it sounds like you're very much prepared for it. Well, Terry, thank you so much. You've updated us. Uh, you're a man to follow out there in Montgomery County. Uh, soon to be a man to follow apparently around the world when this movie comes on on stream as well as the book. All of this is happening. Uh, our listeners need to understand this is, Terry started something and it is just blooming, just blowing up whatever your terminology is. And again, thank you for joining us on The Businessman on the Street, Terry. Before we go, one more time, people want to find out about the Bell Institute, the training, the leadership, the key leader speakers. How do they find out? Where do they make that contact? BELinstitute.org or on Facebook, BEL Institute. And also for this TV series, uh, um, BreakingStrongholds.com and on Facebook, Breaking Strongholds. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're hearing the interview, I encourage you to check this out for further information, whether you're looking for education, you're looking for solid entertainment, you're looking for motivation, you want to become a better leader in your business, in your family. Terry Weaver is the person to look to. So thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. Very, very much appreciated, Dave. OneBestConsult.com.
a community of small business owners where you as an owner can find answers to the most pressing business questions you have. Not sure who to turn to when you have a challenge in your business? Turn to the folks at OneBestConsult.com. That's the number one bestconsult.com, where you can always find advice you can use based on common sense business experience. Join our community of like-minded business owners at OneBestConsult.com. Well, this is Rick Schussler. You've been listening to the Weekly Business Hour, a businessman on the street interview with our friend Terry Weaver at the Vell Institute. And really appreciate him taking the time to join us uh, earlier this past week. Well, this is the part of the show where I give my tip of the week, uh, one best consult tip of the week. And this week, I want to talk very briefly with you about do you and your business really offer great customer service? And I, I want to encourage you to think about this, and I'm going to follow up with you. So many businesses say, well, we offer great customer service, whether you're an online business, a Main Street retail business, or just a business that supplies products that you ship, manufacturing, or service, such as a plumber or electrician. But I'm going to challenge you to, to see if you really do provide that service. A couple of things to look at. First of all, how much money did you spend last year on customer service? My guess is you can't answer that question because I rarely ever, only once in my lifetime that I can remember, found a business that really tried to account dollars and cents wise what they spent. Because customer service, building a great customer service delivery is based on so many things, hiring the right people, training those people, giving those people the right tools that they can use, whether it's a telephone, a computer, having good information and communicating with the customer. And next week, I'm going to share with you the next time I'm on the air, some of the ideas and some of the things I've experienced that may really make you rethink whether you are in a position to deliver great customer service. At this point, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I would ask you to please put a note on your calendar to join us next Monday right here on IRLoneStar.com at 11 a.m. when we're listen once again to Doug Thorpe and part three of his conversation because I think it's a really good conversation about building better teams by becoming a better leader. Look for the podcast of today's show on the weekly Business Hour page at IRLoneStar.com and on Facebook later in this week. And again, thank you. Remember to stay in touch with what's happening in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And as always, until next week, stay engaged in your business and keep your focus on what counts in your business. Thanks. <laughs>